Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, sometimes uh, people can only come to part of Sunday program and not the whole thing. Um, and I just want to say that the sitting part is the most important, sitting in community. Because that's our core practice. So if you need to skip part of it and you have a choice, we don't always have a choice. But um, I think everyone here knows that my talks are all, I mean not all, but when I feel that they meet a certain standard, they get posted online. So you can go back and listen to them online too. Thanks to Daitetsu and others who encouraged me in that regard. So we've just finished a week-long session. Six of us sat more or less full-time. And Olivia also joined us from home. And I think others um, were certainly aware that we were sitting and joining us in their own way. I had a friend in New York mention that she lit incense for us at the beginning of the session. So it's a wonderful reminder that we, we do this in the context of a much larger community too. And then of course in the context of the community of all beings because we're always practicing with everyone benefiting everyone. I was reminded at Sashim's we were um, doing one of the chants um, that we did during the Sashim of um, a concept that we've kind of glossed over in one chant or another um, a couple times but I've, I don't think ever gone into here. And it's one of these um, ideas in Buddhism that I find is a kind of helpful idea to turn the mind. So whether it's true or not, I find it a helpful idea. My teacher, Chosen Bays, would point out that whether it's true or not doesn't so much matter um, with regards to these teachings because, um, well, here's the teaching. The teaching is to take up as a practice the idea that everyone is enlightened except for you. Everyone else is awake and they're around in your presence just to help you wake up. Conspiring compassionately to help you wake up. Whatever form these beings are taking. Another way of saying 
this idea is that all beings are bodhisattva manifestations. So the chant says, bodhisattva manifestations who, are, who in their great compassion are employing skillful means to help emancipate us from the twisted karma we have produced over countless kalpas, countless ages, through our biased, self-centered views. So I find this an especially helpful idea to bring in if I have a, quote, difficult person or situation. What if? And I think there is a truth to this idea. I think that the whole universe is constructed for awakening all the time. I think that karma does have a perfection to it. Perfection to it. People and situations sometimes arise at such the perfect time or sometimes I'm able to see the perfection in it and sometimes it's a little more difficult. So if acting as if this is so is helpful um, and I find it to be helpful, then why not pick it up? So I offer that so that it's part of your um, toolbox, as it were. The rest of what uh, Jan Chosen Bays is fond of saying um, is that we tell ourselves stories all the time and most of them aren't true. So don't get hung up on that. So all, all beings, all situations are here to awaken us. And what is awakening? What does that even mean? No, to awaken is to break out of the prison of self. And to fully awaken is to really fully, thoroughly, completely Break out of the prison of self. In Zen we have a saying, to die before you die. To die to this idea of constructed self. In Lawn Retreat, as the mind starts to loosen as the construction, as the story of me starts to loosen. We can start to see through the construction and have insight into the nature of reality beyond that construction. 
in daily practice and retreat practice, um, this construction of self is best given the opportunity to loosen when we are really vividly present. Or even I'll remove that qualifier when we're present. When we are allowing the sounds of the present moment or the sensations of the present moment or the sights, the colors, or the textures of the present moment or any combination of those to fill our awareness, to come into the foreground of our awareness. If our meditation practice is such that we're going back to this, even for a little bit, even for a little bit, this kind of practice is the most advantageous practice. Advantageous in the service of the goal of awakening. Another thing I haven't talked about here, I don't believe, is the four great bodhisattva vows. Uh, in some sanghas, some group gatherings, these are chanted each week. I don't at this time intend to have the group chant them here because... Um, and I'll read them here for you. While I find them to be good um, personal statements of vow, of aspiration, um, I think especially for someone who might be newer or brand new, to be asked to say these really weighty things is a bit much. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll bring them here just, you know, when it's us. <laughs> Everybody in this room has done, done retreat now. Um, anyway, so the four great bodhisattva vows um, are beings are numberless. I vow to free them. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. I vow to put an end to them. Different translations. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. And the Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to embody it. We make these statements, these um, 
really, I'm just going to say North Star kinds of statements. These really, like, this is quite a, quite a goal. It's way out there. Hmm, at least. Or some might say this deliberately impossible. Hmm. And maybe that's even better. The idea is that we have a clear orienting direction. We're going this way. And how much the better if it's a point we'll never get to. Because then we just, we have something to orient our whole lives. And when we have a clear direction, then the rest of our lives is our the decision-making process can be clearer as well. We know the direction we're going. So we've talked about that with um, less lofty kinds of vows as well. So even if we reach a certain goal, we can set another one from, from there. So I said awakening is breaking out of this prison of self. I'd like to also now read um, the Ordinary Mind School's version of the Four Great Bodhisattva Vows. So this is Charlotte Joko Beck's version of the Four Great Bodhisattva Vows because I think they're um, insightful and instructive. She says, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, exactly the dream. Each moment... Life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. I like these. I might pick them up. I just find these very, to have a depth to them. Depth. Mm -hmm. So instead of beings are numberless, I vow to save them or I vow to free them. Caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering. It's a clear statement of the situation. the human condition. <laughs> Holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream. So that would be her version of um, delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. 
holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream. So actually, I don't, I don't hear the I vow to part. But with such a clear statement of fact, um, anyway, I find it grounding and helpful. So delusions are inexhaustible. Holding to self-centered thoughts is exactly the dream. And don't we all have an inexhaustible number of self-centered thoughts <laughs> to let go of, to let go of, to be free of? Okay, and then generally the next one is Dharma gates are boundless. Everything's a Dharma gate. She says each moment Life as it is, the only teacher, the only teacher. Only because in this moment, that's all there is. That's all there is. And then being just this moment. So being not separate from all that is, as we are not separate from all that that is. <laughs> but embodying that. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Being just that this moment is the way of compassion. Fully present, we can fully and naturally respond. So we're all here on the path together. as much as we can ourselves um, be engaging in Dharma practice, however we do that, and um, help each other, support each other in that. Um, well, that's what I want to be doing. So... I do look forward to uh, this year, I'm hopeful, to host another session. Um, the date I have in mind for it is that week that goes end of September into October. So heads up about that opportunity, even though all the pieces aren't quite in place yet. Mm. And I want to say out loud, and there's not so many people here tonight, so I'll say it again, um, that uh, I'll start doing Sanzen, the inter individual interviews, about once a month, like we did the other day, where we'll do three periods of Zazen instead of two in a talk. And I'll see people individually so we can check in and get, get grounded in each person's practice. 
I also want to offer, though, that if you want to schedule Sanzen either like we do in the other room um, before sitting, we can meet before sitting, or a longer opportunity over tea, um, that that's, that's something we could do. Um, again, in the service of supporting your practice. So I want to put that out there. I'd like us all to have a, a, both a steady home practice of some sort and be doing periodic retreats, so some sort of longer sit from time to time like all of us have done. I think you put those two together and um, can end up with a quite robust and satisfying Zen practice. And that's what I would like to really have established here in Anchorage, Alaska. So, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So we'll close with the Heart Sutra.